It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? Feel me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Untitled Podcast, a partner of Mosh Pit Nation. This week's guest is the returning Fallon Bowman. Fallon and I are continuing our Deftones discography discussion. We had previously done this episode, and unfortunately, as you heard and have heard a couple of times uh, since this happened, uh, this was one of the episodes that got corrupted or whatever, and I basically lost the file. Um, So instead of kind of scrapping it or or doing a half-ass thing, we just took the time and we ended up doing a whole nother episode uh, where we just went through and and redid it and the interesting thing about us doing this one is typically we we do a lot of note taking and all that kind of stuff and you can hear us kind of going album by or uh, track by track and reading saying what we have written down previously about these songs and this this record as a whole and i've done a couple of these podcasts where something happens and i have to go back and redo it uh with somebody and what I typically try to do when that has happened is to not say the exact same things, not ask the same questions or so forth. Because uh, I think that's a little disingenuous, especially when I know the answer. It's hard to be like, oh, I didn't know that when I fucking knew that that's what was coming. So with this one, I honestly hadn't listened to the record since we last did the conversation about a month prior to this one. And I didn't write anything down. Um, this is all literally off the top of my head. Um, I've listened to this album enough that I was like, if I can't talk about it in any kind of detail and still have the same things that I typically would, (laughs) would end up saying, uh, then, you know, perhaps it's not really how I actually feel about a song and I'm letting something else influence my opinions at that particular point in time. So everything you're hearing is literally off the top of my head. Um, And some of the things I actually said even surprised me because as I was kind of saying them, I was like, wow, I didn't know I I, I felt this way. Um, So I might actually kind of do that a little bit more uh, when we do some of these, when we have these last two records to go through. And it'd be interesting to see if I, I feel the same way. Like I should take notes and then maybe just do it off the cuff and then compare my notes when I'm editing the episode. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so it was really fun to do this chat. Uh, at this point, the nice thing about doing this chat now was the Kitty reunion happened. Uh, so we were able to kickstart this episode uh, with, you know, a handful of minutes uh, about the Kitty reunion, Fallon getting to play with, with the rest of the ladies in, in Kitty, uh, the crowd reception, and uh, of course, obviously talking about playing the ESP Stefan Carpenter model and so forth. Um but by all accounts, all the videos and pictures I saw, it looked like it was a really great time. And I know I wish I could have gone. Sadly, I didn't have a passport at the time. But now that I do, if there's another kiddie show, I can make our way over and uh, go see it myself. Um, actually, would thinking that's going to be one of the places maybe we go sometime this year, my wife and I. So perhaps if we go somewhere over to Canada, Toronto area, whatever, and, and Fallon's not busy, maybe we can actually meet up and do one of these like a sit-down. That would be kind of fun. I haven't done many sit-downs, but I'm kind of gearing up and getting ready to go to L.A. and go do one with uh, James Hart of 18 Visions and talk cosmetology and all that kind of stuff. So I've been really thinking about uh, sit-down conversations a lot more. 
And uh, I think I want to try to do more of those. Not saying that I'm not sitting down with the people I'm talking to over Skype or whatever, but uh, I think some some personal interactions would be more fun. Um, Another fun thing that happened as a result of this is uh, I have made mention of Bad Rabbits quite a bit uh, on this podcast, especially when talking about Deftones. I always talk about the Deftones cover they do of Sex Tape off of this record. And it's one of my favorite covers. I love covers as a whole. Sadly, I was really upset when I heard the Talk To Me podcast and they do a cover of the week, but apparently they are retiring that. So maybe I should pick up that stick and run with it and uh, start doing interesting cover songs that I have loved because, interestingly enough, as much as Josh has played really great covers and covers that I've been aware of, and some that I'm not, uh, given the fact that I'm not a huge Kiss fan, so a lot of the Kiss covers that bands have done are out of my realm of knowledge, I definitely know that there's probably a good 15 to 20 that whenever I show anyone these covers, they're always like, I had no fucking clue that this existed. And these are, some are really popular bands that a lot of people like, even they're not aware of these covers. So, um, yeah, maybe I will kind of start integrating that a little bit more uh, as I see fit, maybe, or just something fun. Like, if I have a shorter episode, maybe I'll throw in, like, a cover that I really enjoy. Um, so, if, to me, if you're listening to this, sorry you decided not to, to do that anymore, but let's consider this the uh, yours is, ours is, uh, final thoughts and uh, additional thoughts uh, with the covers. Uh, that's a small joke that maybe only a, a handful of people will get. Um, if you listen to a few different podcasts that I just sort of mentioned there, uh, that's really meta. <laughs> um, but yeah, so also want to say, speaking of uh, Toomey, uh, he reached out to me after I posted my episode with uh, Steve Evitz and said that he really enjoyed the conversation. And, uh, you know, it means a lot, uh, coming from another podcaster who does this and, you know, that sends, you know, the texts or whatever, or Facebook messages and so forth and talks about the, how, you know, how he enjoys an episode or whatever. I know producers and production people and some of the behind the scenes people that I have on here aren't necessarily everyone's cup of tea and and probably aren't going to be people that everyone just readily knows by name, but I think that they have equally as interesting stories as, as everybody else does that's more in the limelight of sorts. So I, uh, yeah, I, I got a lot of good feedback actually on that episode through a couple of different people who uh, found it and listened to it, and it's always great to hear. Um, I was having a conversation today actually with uh, Derek Williams that was on a couple of weeks ago, and you know, we were just kind of talking different like numbers as far as content creators and so forth. And it just gets interesting when you kind of get not lost, but when you think of things like that, like, oh, for the year I've had, uh, you know, I thought he had, <laughs> I, I got really jealous. I thought he had about 1,200 listens this year. And I was like, holy shit, dude, like, good on you. I'm really jealous. You know, I have about half of that. And I really, like, he told me that that wasn't necessarily the case. But it's interesting when you kind of get lost in some of these things, like, uh, they, they just become numbers and things like that. But what's interesting is to think in this first full year of doing this podcast, I think collectively between YouTube, between everything, I mean, I think I'm probably at around, you know, close to like 10,000 listens or whatever on, on everything. And <sighs> fucking blows my mind, man. Like I don't have 10,000 friends. And even if I did like, holy shit, <laughs> can you really be friends with that many people? So the fact that anyone, like I said, takes the time to listen to this, gets any kind of enjoyment out of this uh really means a lot to me but where i was going with that was 
I've talked about Bad Rabbits quite a bit on these Deftones chats, and, I, and even in this episode, I know I bring it up and I bring up the cover of Sex Tape, uh, their cover of Michael Jackson's Human Nature, and their cover of Smashing Pumpkins 1979. And if you haven't seen those uh, or checked them out on YouTube, please go check them out. Then go down the rabbit hole, no pun intended, of Bad Rabbits music. They have been around for probably longer than you would think, and they are fucking great. And on top of that... Uh, they came from a band. The whole reason I ever knew who this band was outside of the covers was their drummer uh, was in a band called Irrepress. And I know I've talked about this on the podcast, too, where they played a house show here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and blew me away. Um, so go check out that band, too. I don't know if they're ever going to do anything at this point with Bad Rabbits being as popular as they are. But the interesting thing was I put out a tweet. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, John's Untitled Pod, uh, I put the link to the sex tape cover. And seemingly a lot of people didn't even know about it. Um, some people shared it, so on and so forth, which is great. That's the whole point of sharing music is to get people to be aware of something maybe they weren't and fall in love with it, which is also a Bad Rabbit song. <laughs> but the thing is, is uh, I tweeted them, included them in, in all the things I was posting because you got to give credit to where it's due. And uh, so I emailed the band and I will have Sheil, their drummer the drummer from Irrepress, uh, on the podcast early in the next year. Uh, the intro music that you hear, if you if, don't know who it is, even though I put the artist in the in the show notes, uh, Shayhawk, uh, we had a conversation, the first time actually talking to each other over a phone and hearing each other's voices, or more so his mind. Uh, so we're going to link up probably in the next month and a half or so. You know, I just, I kind of, even though the holidays have been here, I've been on my grind. I'm uh, trying to get really great guests, trying to diversify and get different people from other genres that aren't necessarily things I'm super into or know a lot about. But I realize that's kind of how you grow as a person is kind of stepping out of your comfort zone and, and learning things about somebody else in a different subgenre or, or a culture or whatever and that's how you get more well-rounded so i think it's a it's a good thing for me in this new year with this podcast to reach out to different people as well as people i like and admire and get them on and, and talk about their experiences and just kind of learn from everybody um so with all of that being said uh this is my chat with fallon bowman talk to you in the outro listening to the cd like three times and i i uh, it is legitimately perfection from beginning to end and this time um i listened to my like itunes version uh-huh. so talk about the bonus tracks if you want i uh we got a lot uh my wife and i just got a new car like a couple of weeks ago so it has oh, nice. serious in it for the first like couple of months Okay. for free and uh so we've been getting lost on like their basically new metal ish kind of channel where it's like 
hits of the 90s and 2000s and you're like like as we were coming home it was like uh systematic and like uh head pe and a bunch of stuff wow. like that so kind of got lost in uh in that <laughs> yeah, I bet. um so we've been i've been real bad uh lately because yesterday i did a chat with steve ebbets uh the producer who's i don't know if you're familiar with him at all but um he has worked with like just a shitload of bands like has worked with ross robinson on like a cure record it worked with ross robinson on a limp biscuit record uh that pretty much no one ever remembers ever existing and uh has done stuff with like dylan all of the dillinger escape plan records and stuff like that so uh i've been like so immersed in his like catalog for the last like couple of weeks that like leading up to this i was like all right diamond dies all right uh and i thought i had my notes that i could just piggyback off of from last time but i forgot i had them in my phone and then transferred them to the computer (laughs) my computer which then took a shit on me so as i was coming home and was like oh it'll be fine i can just use those notes and i was like those notes that existed before my computer crashed and i don't have (laughs) so i think i'm gonna do a thing where i probably will just sort of like play the first couple of seconds from my phone of the song so i can kind of remind myself but i i mean i've listened to this record so much that i mean i'll probably have you go first just so i can kind of remember but i mean it's like diamond eyes it's like okay like punishing intro you know it lines really well with the drums very akin to like hole in the earth like i mean i can't remember some of the things i've been saying with this the last time so it should go pretty pretty easy uh and it's you know it's not like it's a terrible record so uh it's not gonna be like oh my god i had to listen to this record again like the way I feel about self-titled songs. <laughs> it's funny. A friend of mine actually texted me out of the blue, and he was like, "What are you talking about? Hexagram is so great." And I was like, "What?" I was like, "Did we have a conversation that like I don't remember us leaving off on?" And he was like, "No, I'm listening to your podcast." And I was like, "Oh, oh, like first okay. of all, that wasn't me that shit on it." <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there, yes, there was that, but it was kind of. Yeah. It's still weird when people do that to me because I'm like, I forget people can listen to this. <laughs> Right? Yeah, or that people like, this do. Is out there. I mean, it's like when I see numbers, it's like, well, I mean, that's none of my friends. <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. And uh, I had this conversation with another, a guy that I'm actually going to do a new metal project with Ooh. because we have a mutual love and a longing for. 1998 to 2001 era new metal not anything after that so (laughs) it's very um, specific era it's very specific and if it goes any more than that it doesn't count so anyway so we were talking about um this this podcast that i'm doing with you and he's like oh man he's like what's your favorite definite record i'm like see that's i can't i can't answer that and and I, I said to him, I'm like, there were are a significant amount of people that actually love self-titled. He's like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> he just couldn't understand it. But, you know, he uh, and again, there's like the, these two schools of thought. thought. And, yeah. Yeah. So and it really just and I and talked about what we talked about um, during that podcast and how it really depends on what you were going through at the time and, you know, for me, it was totally different than what your experience was and et cetera, et cetera. So it's always so interesting how people have either love it or hate it or, you know, think that Adrenaline is the best record ever, which I'm like, what? 
Yes. No. No. <laughs> no. No. I'm sorry. No, you're wrong. I could say that you're wrong. So, so um, before we <clears throat> hop into it, let's. Uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask how your kitty reunion twenty year celebration was. Um, it was. <laughs> it was very, very surreal, as you can imagine. I mean, um, yeah. It's. Um, I mean, it's like a, a a heavy metal version of like a, a class reunion. I guess it would be the best way to put it. Yeah, because it was everybody, almost everybody from back in the day, yeah. um, from when we were playing, when we were teenagers, some of them showed up. And so it was a real reunion in that sense. And there were a lot of people that I met that um, I've never met before. So I felt like it was very much like the original lineup mm-hmm. was um, not much of a focus as as sort of their path, their, their present um present lineup and all the people I, I knew pretty much nobody. I'm like, okay, I don't know who you are. Hello. <laughs> 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 Hello. How are you? And they're like, yeah, I've been, you know, doing stuff with them for, you know, 10 years or something like that. I'm like, that's, that's insane. That's crazy. Cause I, I'm, I predate that. Like I predate your time with them, which made me feel a old and be very strange. And right. I'm not sure if it was in a good or bad way. Um, I'm like, oh, man, I, I'm such I'm, I'm so OG that there are like, you know, the, the beginning of the OG aspect of that band was such like a blip in comparison to what they've done afterwards. Right. I had never listened to their music afterwards uh, after I left and. I was fucking blown away. I was like, holy shit. You guys are awesome. You guys are music is really good. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, it's just because I had never heard it before, but it was so intense. Uh, and seeing them live was, uh, I even said to Morgan afterwards, I'm like, dude, you guys are fucking awesome. Like really awesome. Everything, like the whole show and you guys were amazingly tight. And it was just, it was great. Very, very good. She's like, thanks. <laughs> so it was very odd because I'm like, I felt like I was seeing them for the first time, even though I played in a band with them. So it was very weird. But um, of course, there were um, some technical difficulties Always. that were like, oh, fuck. OK, so here we here it starts. And so it was just one thing after another. I'm like, oh, man, here it goes. <laughs> this is going to be a fun show. Uh, but everything uh, worked out in the end and we you know, I was, I had fun. So that's all that matters. What was the, uh, what was like the one kind of standout thing that you remember the most from, from that evening? Um, Charlotte, probably. It was always my favorite song to play live, but it was like, everybody went ape shit. And I would say probably like 75 to 85% of the people there were all Americans. Oh, wow. They had traveled from every point of the U.S. So, and I find that U.S. crowds are a little bit crazier than Canadian. Not always. Sorry. But, Sorry. Yeah. They're like, oh, man, we can't do it, man. Can't do it. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, they were going bananas. And it, that was great to see because I haven't played in front of a crowd that have has done that in a really long time. Probably since I played with them. So, that was nice to see. So in and light played, of good, sorry. No, I was gonna say I, I played uh, Steph's guitar 
as a homage because because why not right <laughs> right yeah i was gonna say uh in light of bands like alexis on fire and fellow canadians and uh 18 visions is a more recently and oh. some of these these kind of bands is uh i guess i'll put it out put it out there is there potential to kind of do something like they've all been doing where if shows present them it sounds present themselves to you ladies to do something like this on like kind of a weekend warrior type of thing is that something that like you all would maybe do since this show went so well or would this be more of a sorry there was a weird noise oh anyway um so with those kind of bands basically like 18 visions basically has flat out said like we're never gonna do a full tour but like right now they're in buffalo oh. for the eats it christmas show they have three shows in california coming up in february they i think have done you know little like i said weekend warrior type things when it makes sense for them around their jobs is that something collectively like with the show doing is like i mean if i'm not mistaken you guys you ladies had to move the show into a bigger room didn't you we did yeah so, um there was, there was just sort of demand there it would seem yeah there, there and, and again it I think that had a lot to do with the fact that, and I'm not kidding when I say this, there were people from all over the world there, like as far as Australia, as far as like, uh, there's an Australian there, German, my friend from Norway flew to come see the show. Like wow. it was incredible. So there's definitely demand for it. And I can only speak for myself. Um, cause uh, we haven't spoken or talked about it, uh, since the show, uh, aside from we're still kind of coming off of the high off the one show um but i i would definitely um i I would i wouldn't say no if they asked me well that would be that would be awesome i know there's probably a lot of fans stateside and and otherwise that would probably whether it looks like the original band performing or if there was some way for everyone to kind of do a different version of what happened that night i'm sure just as a whole an evening with kitty would be really interesting to see you know 20 years later yeah, I think that that was the most um, the most interesting thing about that night. Really, was that there was multiple inc- uh, incarnations of the band, yeah. and you got to hear, like you know, maybe you didn't hear Kitty the first time on Spit. You heard them later on, and you never got the taste of what the older stuff maybe was like live. Right. Uh, so that was a un- very unique experience. And some people that have been um, f- more recent fans came up to me afterwards. They're like, hey, I didn't hear spit until like, you know, two years ago. But um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, whoa, OK, uh, that's cool. Uh, yeah. And they're like, yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome. I liked it. It was great. I'm like, but, uh, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be interesting to see something like that you know, 20 years later. I never got to see the original lineup. I think I only saw the band toward the end when it was about done. So, or mm-hmm. done in whatever capacity that looks like at, at that point. Cause I mean, some bands say they're done and then they come back a couple years later and you know, is a yep. band really ever done? <laughs> no, I don't think so. so. And even with them now, I saw that they're, they took some pictures, they being uh, Morgan Mercedes, yeah. they took some pictures at the uh, studio that they usually go to. So um, I think that there's something going on. I don't know. But go. I don't know what, but something's happening. Speaking um, of something happening, we yeah. are happening to <laughs> redo uh, our chat about Diamond Eyes because my computer took a shit on me and I lost the original file. 
So the plans to have been done uh, with this discussion thing is now <laughs> being dragged out for at least a couple more months uh, yeah. due to uh, technical issues. Um, as I was saying earlier, full full disclosure, I've been stuck in Steve Evitt's world, so uh, I'm going to kind of fly by the seat of my pants and just kind of remember what I can of this record. And uh, since typically we play a song by Deftones anyway, and uh, <laughs> that always catches the red flag on like YouTube and shit, I'm just going to go ahead and if I can't remember the song off the top of my head, I'm just going to play it off my phone for a second and be like, oh, yes, that's that's the one. Because uh, yep. at this point, I've listened to this record in so many different versions, whether it be straight all the way through, shuffle, whatever. So they, I have different songs sometimes but uh memories as far as uh what they are <coughs> off the top of my head but uh the interesting thing to me about this record uh was the first one that actually wasn't the first one that didn't have a uh, terry date producing it but it was i just remember there being a, a strong sense of hype around this record like rocket skates was a teaser single uh, and then eventually became like the, the promotional single and got everyone really excited. The video for it kind of reminded me of Be Quiet and Drive as far as like playing in a wet underground, you know, freeway, underpass, overpass, whatever the hell those things are called, uh, <laughs> while still having like sort of sexy imagery of like Chino sitting on a bed with a wo like a woman and weird colors. And it's, it just looked really good. And the, the song was awesome. Um but then the self-titled track came out as the first single. And just between those two songs, I, th I think honestly, like those are two great examples of like kind of where this album was going to go uh, before yeah. you were able to buy the full record. But I remember there just being an excitement that I hadn't seen from fans in a long time. Uh, and I say a long time, like it was like, oh, it was like 10 years. But no, I mean, it was a span of about, you know, two full records at that point. I mean, basically from White Pony until this, like fans kind of slowly dropped off. So it was interesting to see such a a buzz about this band, you know, and a band that's been around for a while at this point. You know, they're uh, one, two, three, four, five. This is their sixth record. Uh, so yeah. six records in and you're still creating a buzz about your band. They're like almost like you're a brand new. Like that's, that's kind of unheard of to a degree. <laughs> and... I mean, you had, I think, had mentioned previously that this record, when, you know, came out, you're like, oh, oh, I, I'm kind of back on board. Like, I need to get this. Yep. It sold me. Uh, and I I can't recall exactly. I think it might have been somebody told me, you need to listen to this, because I had rebuffed both self-titled and um, Saturday, uh, Saturday Night Wrist. I'm like, nope, not interested. For many reasons, and it had nothing to do with them. Um, I still tremendously respected them, and I would listen to everything else but those two records. But then, when somebody had said to me, "You need to give the, like this one is is on a whole new level. It's Deftones, but it's refined, but still raw, and what and, and it, it encompasses all the elements of what I love about the Deftones, but just to a new level." Right. Yeah. Um... So I mean, let's uh, let's get right into it. I mean, Diamond Eyes. <laughs> I mean, I think I said on the Saturday Night Wrist record that with Hole in the Earth, like I couldn't think of a, a better start to a record to <laughs> really kind of 
encapsulate like everything that Deftones are. But then here they are, the next record, and I would be remiss if I didn't say like the same fucking thing. Like this is a song that shows everything that the Deftones are capable of from punishing riffs, crashing drums, like just a, a groove that everyone locks in on as a band and Chino coming right over it with vocals that aren't necessarily what you would think of when you hear a song like this musically, but somehow it all fits and it all works together so well. It's, it's a nice push pull of being like aggressive and soft at the same time. Like they work dynamics so well to me, this is like basically the quintessential like Deftone song really. Definitely. I agree. A hundred percent. It's like you said about the dynamics. Um, that is something I'm not sure many bands do very well these days. Excuse me. And, um, the Deftones just do it in, of course, in their own way, but it's, it's perfectly executed and illustrated in this song. Um, the highs and the lows, the sort of sweeping, um, uh, sweeping chorus, but the chorus is still heavy as fuck. Like it's just, um, and those guitars. Oh Jesus. <laughs> right. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I have a frog in my throat. Give me a second. Oh, I've been washing mine down with this, uh, delicious beer. <coughs> That's like my new favorite. Uh, delicious beer. Sorry. Yeah. It's a, yeah. a local brew called, uh, by elk brewing. And it's okay. called the uh, PB and Jelly. It's a peanut butter and jelly, like Concord. It's a peanut butter, like front flavor. And then the, the back flavor is a uh, like Concord grape flavor. It's, uh, it's, it's not very sweet. Um, no, because I mean, like, <clears throat> it's it's a it's a really great balance. Like you get kind of the, the sort of salty peanut butter flavor up front and then like the nice kind of sweet flavor at the very end. And it's a what is this even? Well, I mean, like, as far as like, I don't know, this isn't like a, like a, it's not a porter. No, I don't think, no, I don't think so. I think it's, I don't know. It's delicious. That's what it is. (laughs) Okay. Delicious is good. I'm sorry if I uh, cough a lot, but I, I'm think I might be fighting something. So, oh, don't worry. I've been, I got like the flu thing this past weekend and then I've been fighting off whatever the hell else is going around. So I'm drinking myself this tonight. Damn it. You, you do you. Um, so I apologize in advance if you have to cut all this out, <clears throat> but <clears throat> I'm trying my best. <laughs> I'm not going to cut it out when it's funny like that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and it just, it, and I think it was perfect. Diamond Eyes is perfect in the sense that it's the first song that sort of grabs you. Like, you know, those old school hooks that they use in theater? Yeah. Like when they, when, you know, but in a good Someone way. Someone needed to come off stage. Yeah, someone needed to come off safe. You just pull that hook, uh, but it, you know this is a hook that that brings you into the into the greatness that is this record. Oh, sorry, I was thinking, trying to remember. There's like a song with the, and the the hook of the song is oh, it's it dies today. That's right. Never mind. There's a song. There's a song, and like part of the line is uh, the hook that brings you or rips right through your chest. And so I was thinking of that for some reason because I always think of the hook coming off the side of a stage to do that, but. So you went there, I went Blues Traveler. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's, I always have a weird Blues Traveler memory of uh, legitimately when listening to Howard Stern as a kid, going to school with my mom, and 
them being concerned that they would have to blur out John Popper's nipples because he had gotten the lap band surgery. And they weren't sure if like, even though he's a dude, if because of, like how much weight he'd lost, like it looked like boobs. So he, they were like, do we have to blur these out or no? God. And that's, that's, that's my, <laughs> that's my other blues <laughs> traveler story that I always think of when I hear them. <laughs> Every time, I'm gonna yeah. think of, gonna think of, of uh, nipples. Why yep. not? There you go. The road less traveled. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, <laughs> the road less blues traveled. Yes. Ah, there it is. The last, the, the joke that beat it to death. <laughs> um. So anyway, um, any last thoughts on on Diamond Eyes or? Um, it's very difficult for me to actually verbalize how much I love this that song. It really is because there I don't think there are any words in the English language that can you know uh, describe me when I say like oh yeah that's my that's my oh my god I love this song. I don't know what that sound is, but that's the sound. Okay. <laughs> so um, yeah, going into Royal, I'll let you go ahead and start with that. Okay, so I think actually this, and I say I will say this a lot. Um, this song is probably some of my favorite guitar work on on this album, and it, it really illustrates uh, what I love about Steph's guitar playing. It's there's, and I've said we've said this before. I think um, there is absolutely nothing super complicated about what he does, no. but he knows exactly what to do. Um, to accent, to, to um, not overcomplicate, to not take away from the other guys in the band. It's he he's very very good at crafting verses that are um, vehicles. Ve- like they're just they chug along, and I <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's a really bad word to use because like oh, chuggy chuggy guitars, but like. Right. It it, keep, it it's driving and it keeps things on on point, and he's just so good at that. And I I I it's a tremendous influence on my guitar playing because I'm not uh, I'm not a flashy guitar player and I never will be. That's but it's because I love the way that he plays because it's so effective. Why play you know all over the fret uh, fretboard when you can play something that is still memorable and still driving and still effective uh, without being flashy and that's he's not flashy at all and i don't mean that as a um as a, as a slight that's an absolute compliment and um because he knows the correct way to sort of weave it in there um it, it's um and i think also the song is uh probably the most old schooly sounding um in in and I what I mean by that is sort of adrenaline. I was gonna say how it just kind of starts like there like literally it's almost like I'd imagine there was pre roll to be able to then cut that out to then start the song literally like on the first like second like that. Right. That seems right. something that they used to do on like adrenaline and and uh, right. around the fur. Right. So yeah, that's what maybe what I mean by that. It's kind of it has that old school feel to it and. 
people that are familiar with adrenaline and around the fur maybe would have picked up on that. Um, but that also, uh, that outro just, Oh God, uh, that sound again, the scream (laughs) at the end of Chino's. It's just, ah, that it's the, that, that groove that I was talking about that I think is really missing from a lot of bands these days that, that, um, it can just, it just gets people moving either headbanging or dancing, or it's just, they've got that. They've got it. They've got whatever. I can't even verbalize what it is, but it's just it. (laughs) It, It's interesting. Like with this song, I feel like I love the kind of playfulness between, I mean, we inevitably, this is something that we will probably, if there were shirts made of this discography discussion, you know, they would say things like the dynamics and the the push pull and the the way you know these things. But I mean, I think inevitably, unless like a band just sucks, like it's going to be the thing that happens. Like people are going to be who they are, and the things that work for them are going to be things that they keep going back to time and time again. So yeah. I mean, it is what it is. But I think with this, like, I like the verses are. I don't know, they're, they kind of annoy me to a little bit just because, like, I feel like, I feel like it's just so, like, on top of it. Like, you don't really ever kind of, to me, feel like you get a, a moment to hear what is happening. It's it just, it just happens to you, like, right away. And so <laughs> sometimes, like, you know, as a, as a fan of, like, listening to everything and dissecting it, it's, it's a little hard sometimes to do that when you have so much, like, kind of fighting for your attention right away. Mm-hmm. Um the chorus though, I think like it's one of the, it's a really strong chorus um, and kind of showcases the other thing that Deftones do really well, which is, you know, you kind of have a, a really aggressive, you know, verse riff kind of into a really saccharine like chorus riff that just kind of like unfolds kind of out of nowhere. And yep. it's, it's kind of like, you know, like I guess like if there was a metaphor for the Deftones, it would be like a rose, like as far as like imagery, because it's like, you know, they're they're nice to look at and stuff like that. But, you know, there's the thorns along that kind of add the little bit of a little bit of attitude and, you know, meanness to it as well. (laughs) But danger, little danger. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's as a whole, like I've always really liked this song. And I think something that this album does really well over the first honestly most of the the first half of this record is like everything goes really well into the next song like something that we really hadn't seen since really adrenaline i think is the last or around the fur was the last record really to kind of like when one song kind of ends it sort of tail ends into the next one uh whether yeah. it be some like feedback leading into like ringing out going into the next song or uh, little yeah or little uh things like that but um, I, I always really, like I said, the verses and everything. And then, you know, the very, the very end of this song with just kind of that single note riff and Chino's like inward screaming thing he does is just always like, yeah, like two yeah. songs in, like everything <laughs> that you like in a Deftone song is pretty much like checked been checked off for you there. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then so, we're still back to the obscure Chino lyrics as well <laughs> oh my on gosh. this one. Uh, well, did I make a note about that? No, I didn't. I made notes about every other song having uh, misheard lyrics that make me chuckle every time, like beat like a chunk, that kind of thing. But that's not on this one. But just <laughs> say there's at least 
at least three or four that I I laugh at when I heard it again. I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, command control. I I want to like this song. Um, I to me, this is one of those where the riff seems kind of lazy. And I feel like when you kind of look at the lyrics, like it just kind of you're like, eh. like it just, just it feels like kind of a lazy song. Like between, like I mean, you come right off the gate, you got Diamond Eyes, which is great. You have Royal, which has really interesting dynamics and stuff. And then you get this one, it's just <laughs> like, and then you're just like, okay, <laughs> like this is what we're doing. <laughs> and then you got like just kind of a, a very generic approach to me to the lyrics. And it isn't until you get to the chorus where I'm like, okay, like now we're getting somewhere. And it's like, you know, and then like kind of like the, the fun atmospherics that like Frank's putting on with like some of the, the, the background samples and so forth, like kind of, excuse me, create a really interesting mood. But then it just goes back to this like, eh, verse riff thing. <laughs> like, I don't know. Sometimes like I feel like for as great as they can be, like for being very minimal in their approach, sometimes the minimal aspect instead of coming across as great and like wow you did a really good job of not overplaying now here it just seems to me where it's like uh, maybe you could have tried a little harder <laughs> um i disagree actually okay. uh i really like the guitar work on this i i think again i i think that the balance between overplaying and min minimalism is is good um you know anything more i think would have been would have annoyed me uh, and I think one of the standout things on it is that that detuned synth kills me every time. <laughs> it adds this like grungy ev evilness to it, basically <laughs> evilness. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just it, it, it it's just it's destabilizing. And that's what I love about it. I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. And I don't think you could have done that with the guitar. I think that no. it was a really good decision to make. Okay, Frank. Frank's going to take this. He's going to do it. He's going to make everybody just, you know, uh, make their ears bleed with some really crazy drone synth. And, you know, you're getting attacked by bees kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, toward the, what is it, the bridge where... Yeah, because it's the bridge, and then it goes back into the the verse thing, and it's like the, yeah. if there was more stuff akin to the bridge throughout the song, I'd be a lot more on board with it. But yeah. when you have between the chorus and the bridge, I feel like it's like there's so much cool shit happening that, like I said, it just feels like the verses are just kind of an afterthought where it's like, okay, like how do we get to these cool parts? I don't, I don't know. Da, na, na, na. <laughs> it's like, but also the. Don't you like the kind of off time? There's something really off-putting about the song, which in a way, but in, I think in a good way. Um, I think if you're going to, if you're referring to what I think you're referring to as far as like, just kind of like the, the weird timing of the, the riff, like the weird kind of stutter step to it. Yes. I, I think you, feel, I feel like by the time when you get to other songs on this record that do that way better. Oh, Okay. All right. that, that, that's kind of my I problem. Mean, the, the, and I, I mean, that's something I've said on some of the other records, though, too, is like there's an instance where something doesn't work for me. But then there's an instance somewhere else on the record that does exactly the same thing or has something very similar, but it's done right. 
And when it's done right, you're like, see, like, why couldn't it be like this? Because this is awesome. And that not so much. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't say that I, I I absolutely love the song or anything. It, it just I, I don't skip it when it comes on. Let's just say that. Right. Um, and in terms of sort of breaking it down and, and trying to dissect what would make like make it. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just kind of let it be. It is, it is, it's little, it is, it's whatever it is on its own. Um, and of course, yes, there are going to be other songs that, uh, that, that sort of hit the nail on the head. Um, but I wouldn't say that it, it didn't. It's just, it, it, it exists as song number, what is it? Song three? <laughs> three. Yeah. Song three. Yep. And, you know, it does its thing and that's, that's fine. Oh my God. What the hell? Sorry. Give me a second. <laughs> I feel like that was the uh, I looked down at my shirt and realized I had sauce on it. Oh, my God. Can you see me? <laughs> no, <laughs> but I know that sound because it was like you're looking around. You're looking around to like kind of fulfill your thought. And then you like look down at yourself and like, shit, I have something on me. <laughs> oh, no. It, it looked I had a little bit of a heart attack there because I thought it was a, a centipede for a second. <laughs> I don't want to freak out, um, so I'm not going to. It's on my the... eyelash. Yeah, and it was just a piece of tape. But anyway, I don't know what a tape it's doing on me. But anyway, see, that... it would have been better if we were on song eight because then I could be like speaking a tape. <laughs> but no, sorry, that's yeah, fine. <laughs> I could put it back on, and then we could, you know. No, it's ruined <laughs> now. Uh, I don't really have a clever segue for the next song. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I was no. trying to, I was like, oh, this is what Fallon would have done if she would have went to beauty school. <laughs> no, you've, you've seen the butcher. That's the next oh, is song. It? Yeah, number oh, four. I, I, I... Yes, sorry, I mixed them up. That's fine. Uh... <laughs> uh, so you've seen the butcher. Um, I did the last one, so this is you. Okay. Um. Okay, you know what? I hope I didn't get these mixed up. You've seen okay, the anyway, Okay. Is uh, the dun, 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 that yep. song, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so uh, I, one thing I never noticed, because the, the, the first time, or the last time we did this, I listened to it on speakers. Right. This time we listened to it on in headphones. Yeah. And, and I love how you can hear the hum of his amp uh-huh. panned hard right. Yes. I never noticed that before. And I'm like, hey, so I, I rewound it. This is a great that. album for headphones, by the way. Or a good. What? Yeah. Uh, there's so and, much, so much nuances anyway. Yeah. And, and I mean, this album is so well produced. But so, I just yeah. love those raw touches. Like there's still that homage to their roots of sort of live off the floor kind of atmosphere. Um, I'm not sure what songs they would have done live off the floor on this, but um, it just has that. There's those. It's well, it's polished, but not too polished. Right. Again, that is something we've talked about many times mm-hmm. um, with them. But uh, I think they just do that so, so well and so effectively. Um, and I, I. <laughs> I make a little emoji face when he says something that makes me laugh, like shake my tomb. Yep. I just think of him as like this, like mummy in a, in a, a in a coffin. Yeah. <laughs> He's, or sorry, in a sarcophagus. Like just, 
(laughs) being shaken oh god i'm such a weirdo but um and the and i i mentioned this the last time i think as well about those there are these um again frank's contributions of these little little nuances like the gunshot sounds yeah you can really hear um in the in the headphones uh and i I just it's such a simple thing but it it gets me every time yeah this one for me is is probably one of the i mean shit honestly diamond eyes would be one of these two like i mean i think it'd be easier to just instead of being like one of my top of the record it'd probably be a lot easier to be like this is like not one of my top (laughs) songs off this record but this one there's there's something there's something very seductive about this song and is one of those where i love the slow and like then it pauses like it and again like it's it's that what you're not playing allows what's being played to take more shape. And then I just love, and if you know, and I love watching drum videos of Abe sometimes, like when they post different stuff or you go on YouTube and fall down the rabbit hole of watching Abe videos because he plays so tight, but it's also sort of sloppy looking in his approach to how he plays it. And like, Mm -hmm. when you watch him play this, he just plays with like such like precision, like, and like you know he's like hitting like a tom in between like the or like a cymbal hit in between every like hit on his snare and it just locks in with with that that guitar riff so well and it's something where you know and then for them to just kind of like they're both playing to the maximum of efficiency of what is required out of what they're doing but it's not it's not flashy but like there's just like little like I can just like picture him in my head like when he start like when Abe starts you know getting into the groove of the verse riff, and just kind of like locking in on it and it's like everyone like I I don't I mean I do see it all the time the few times I've seen the band since this record has come out live a bunch of white people who don't know how to fucking sway or dance to this, <laughs> uh, and it's always kind of weird because it's like I mean the groove's there like fucking find it, <laughs> but I, uh, how do you not? feel that i i don't know i i see people do it all the time and i I just don't understand it but it's one of those like with chino like i can always picture him in my head like when the songs didn't really start off like him hopping up on his uh his little riser and kind of like slowly like putting his like one hand up over like by his head and like singing the song and like him and sergio like i can just see them both in my head like kind of grooving in on on the verse and it's like it's just so simple and so sexy and just like it's a great song. And then it's like, you know, I love the, the effect of like Chino kind of pulling away from the microphone while still holding the note, or maybe they're using like a studio effect to just let it keep going. Uh, and then it's like, you know, the chorus kind of slow, like, you know, it kind of says like, it's almost one of those things like where they, where they, right. Like where it's like, you know, they take a, a lyric and almost musically like Chino's describing what the music is doing. Like he's like, you slow and it's like and then the music slowly gets to the chorus and it's like we were talking about it's there's a name for it oh there is a name for that it's uh i I listened to a musicologist talk about how some artists are very good at doing that and it may not be something that they do um on purpose i think it's vocal phrasing or vocal vocal something or other but there's a there's a a term for it i will look it up and i'll let you know what it is (laughs) i was gonna try to look it up but Oh, or you could do that, yeah. Once my Bluetooth it keyboard has a name, um, 
and the musicologist was talking about Justin Timberlake and how he does it yeah. in almost every song. Yeah, you were talking yeah. about that. Uh, I think it was on the White Pony chat, I yep. believe. And I think Chino was one of those people that uh, that also, well, them as a band, actually, they do it quite often. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to look this vocal phrasing. So I thought vocal phrasing referred to. No, well, it's not. It's not vocal phrasing. It's something else. It's vocal. It's. Uh... Okay, let's let's collectively <laughs> Google it. We can we can we can cut this out later, right? <laughs> sure. Uh, uh, do, 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 do. Vocal. Hmm. Vocal matches music. <laughs> Word painting. Ah. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's what I would have called it, but all right. <laughs> or tone or text painting is the musical technique of writing music that reflects the literal meaning of a song. Ah. So, for example, ascending scales would accompany lyrics about going up. Slow, dark music would accompany lyrics about death. Okay. Interesting. That kind of thing. And anyway, and this is what this musicologist was talking about. Um, uh, what goes around by Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Uh, you can hear. Okay. We're totally going off the page here, but uh, he... I love that song, so that's fine. He, he's like a, a really great example of text painting. Um, goes around, goes around, goes around, comes all the way around. It descends an octave and then returns to the upper octave as if going into a circle. And again, it, it's something that he, he, this musicologist is saying that it's probably completely not intentional, but it is in a way. Um, when the music was being, uh, sorry, when the lyrics kind of match up with the music, it's, it depends on what, which came first, but likely the music came first and he matched it to kind of go along with that. But I, oh, I, I was like, that's brilliant. I love that. <laughs> um, hold on. I'm, I've been, ah, yes. Okay. <laughs> I've been just pulling up lyrics uh, and then being like, oh, yeah, like based on the song. But as I was like looking at him, like I can hear the chorus. I just can't hear the I can't remember how the, the beginning of the song goes. Yeah. Um, so for those who would have heard that, that was Beauty School, <laughs> which is the next <laughs> song we're on. Um, what's really crazy is like the Deftones did a really great job of accompanying strong visuals for their videos on this record. And this was nothing more than just a, a tour video. Um, following the band, you know, some behind the scenes stuff, them playing, uh, very reminiscent sort of, of like, uh, how the, uh, shit, what was the song off of white pony? The, the one with all the blurred shit that I made the comment about how I never understood because of clearances why they had all the posters that were blurred out. Um, what? digital bath. Ah. Uh. Yeah, in the video for that, they couldn't get clearances for all the posters, obviously. So in some versions of the video, everything was blurred out when they're jamming in the room. And Abe's playing oh. on, like, the little kid's kit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, like, how that shows, like, different <coughs> footage of them playing on the White Pony tour or on the tour the tours they had been on at that point. Um, this is, like, a really shot, like, nice 4K, like, really bright, co like, nice colors and stuff like that uh, video. 
And I think it really kind of adds a nice visual accompaniment to this this song because the, the thing I always kind of liked about it was like very much like how you've seen the butcher is it has a nice gradual slow build into the the verses and stuff this sets a really interesting tone with Frank providing kind of like a I don't even know what it is it's it's some kind of like a probably like a string patch or something uh that he's using but to then have it go over a a very interestingly sounding clean guitar tone, which is something that you don't see a whole lot of on, on Deftone stuff. Um, you know, it just creates a really interesting, like it's not, and maybe the cure is the wrong band, but it reminds me of something that like almost akin to just like heaven, like how, you know, like that yep. song starts off with like the, like, and it kind of yep. just starts and it kind of creates a, a really interesting vibe. Like this is almost like a Deftones take on a Cure song to me. Like as far as creating yeah. that that kind of very slow trancey, almost kind of dancey vibe. Mm-hmm. But I, I can't really recall any other time where they've done something like this. And so for that alone, like this song really has always stood out to me because like just some of the dynamics they're using within this this song are kind of new territory for the band, and I really enjoy it. And again, Chino's vocals are just so on point on this song and the core, like this is just an album full of really, really strong choruses. Like, I don't know if the band sat down and just was like, let's, let's just really write strong choruses or like, let's really work on these songs until they can be the best that they can be. Because this mm-hmm. feels like a band that knows these songs inside and out did the pre-pro job like of making sure everything was in its because everything just sounds like it it, is in even though i've already made comment about some stuff not (laughs) working for me but everything there's nothing that feels like it should or shouldn't be there per se it feels like everything had was intentionally put where it is even down to the overdubs and all that kind of stuff so this is like something on this record where i feel like the band has taken everything that they've learned from the grandiose things of what they did on white pony like the big step they took from around the fur to white pony to then even i mean saturday night wrist took a lot of interesting twists and turns that i think are paying off on this record the things that people didn't like though on those songs on that record i'm not one of them but like for people who were like well it it was too weird with some of the the sampling and such i think on Mm. this people were like oh i love the samples on this i love the different things they were doing and it's like well even though i saw what they were doing and i enjoyed what they were doing on saturday night wrist i think this is the payoff for everybody else who did not and a lot of the stuff that was going on even as far back as the self-titled on stuff like minerva i think those songs and those experimentations it's a song like beauty school that is the the reward of of kind of following them through the 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 different transitions of trying to figure out how to do these these different things well yeah effective and by the way again all of this is just straight off the top of my head i have nothing written (laughs) (laughs) good job (laughs) so this is going to be a lot of rambling like that okay um i really have nothing to add to what you just said uh because it makes that's essentially from what i remember anyways that was what we were talking about how it takes a, it's a new sort of take on or not a new but there's been hints there have been hints uh previously to what beauty school um you know they were going in that direction uh in, in, a, in a good direction different direction but you know but definitely agree with you on the uh 
the guitar work is very, very different, but not. It's familiar, but it's a slight twist change in a, in a good way. I always have to make sure that I say that. I'm like, it's a good thing that I'm saying this. I'm not saying that it's <laughs> shitty. It's right. just, you know, it's different. Um, and for some people, that may be a little bit too much of a departure. Right. Um, but it, to me, it's it's perfect. And and really, like I said, I don't have much to add. But um, he, it makes me laugh every time he says, um, "When you take off your face." Yeah. I, I I don't know. I just get the mental picture just. <laughs> <laughs> Just somebody removing their face, and, you know. Well, I mean, then, I know like the like my wife and several women I know like make the joke like, "Oh, I gotta take, I gotta put on a face or take my face off," like at the end of the night. So, just kind of fucked, actually. Like, really? <laughs> say that. that. That's so weird. Like, like we're putting on someone else's face. Like, I've I seen mean, too directly. Serial killer movies where people actually put like skin masks on. Right. <laughs> so, like, are we putting skin masks on? Is that what this is really? Well, as long as we um, have a bolt made out of nipples. Yeah, we definitely don't have that. Um, or and I don't have a, a lampshade made out of skin or whatever. Well, so I think go. I'm good. And then watch you tasty, which is oh, not yeah. what he's saying. <laughs> I he's forgot about that. Watch you it. tasty, and I'm just thinking like tasty from like Orange is the New Black. Is the new black. Like, oh, you watching me? <laughs> <laughs> he was ahead of that before. He he knew it was going to be a sweet show. Oh, he knew it. He knew it. I mean, you know, uh, I've always said Chino has been ahead of ahead of his time. Uh. <laughs> um, going on to Prince. This one's you. Uh, <clears throat> Lemon face, sad face. It's a sad face. Um, that little, I, I put, this is my actual notes verbatim. That little wee is so new metal-y. I don't know what wee means. Like the little. Are you talking about like the, like hitting of the, the headstock strings? Yeah, it's like. Because that's the only thing I can think of that makes like that noise. Yeah. You know what? It's like a corn kind of sound to me. Yeah. But I love it because it's this I, probably not intentional at all but it just reminds me of something that corn would have done in like 1994 <laughs> <laughs> so, or maybe 96 let's say right but uh I, I have nothing to say about the song really because it's it is one of the few songs that i don't pay attention to when it's on the that that guitar noise if that is what it is kind of has always annoyed me what's interesting is i i'm like when i saw them I think about a month after this this album came out, uh, I saw them and they played. There's 11 songs off this record. I think they played seven or eight of these songs. So I saw most of this. Live. Oh, you, you played this song? Uh, I feel like they did because I think the thing I remember is that Sergio on this I think is playing like a, a that weird like bass that looks like a guitar. Because he's, oh. he's kind of playing like those that like weird. I mean, if you listen to the bass on this, it, it doesn't quite sound like a normal bass. And You're right. I, it doesn't. And I'm thinking this is the and I think even when I saw him the first time on on this last album cycle, like when the album first came out for Gore, I feel like it's the second time I've seen Sergio with that weird like six string bass thing. That's like almost got like it is a bass, but it looks like a guitar. Mm-hmm. And I know he rolled out with that a lot more on the newer stuff because he, he pulled it out a couple of times. Like they played like two or three songs with him using that, if I'm not mistaken. 
So I have a memory of this song. I mean, I've always liked the the chorus of this. I think it kind of does very much what uh, uh, you've seen the butcher kind of does with that like kind of rolling in chorus. Um, but yeah, I think as a whole, this one kind of is is kind of a miss for me as well. Like I don't skip it, and there are parts about it I do really enjoy. But I mean, there's so many other songs on this record that are are so good upon like it, when you hear it the first time this one was one that kind of grew on me a little bit uh oh. so i mean you said you listened to it three times before i we started doing this and uh, <laughs> apparently it's not the grower for you <laughs> no it is not a grower or a shower it is <laughs> just what it is uh you know I, I i i listen to it but i don't pay attention to it right. i don't play the drums along to it generally this is a drum heavy song sorry, air drum heavy record for me. Right. Um, uh, you know, I'm an aspiring drummer. I've always wanted to be a drummer, but never happened. Uh, so, so I don't know why it's just one of those. It's the only song I don't air drum to. Yeah. Makes sense. Then there's a lot of like hi-hat work on this. So it's kind of hard to like do all of that. Some song, like I mean, as much as I like doing like air drums to Everlong by Foo Fighters, that's a very oh, oh, hi hat oh. to snare kick drum <laughs> like <laughs> thing that you're like gonna wear out your fingers real quickly on that one. And I can see like this one because there's a lot of like the the picking up on the the hi hat to kind of open it and close it. Like there's just a lot of little nuance to it that would make air drumming very hard and frustrating. <laughs> uh, Speaking of a, a fucking bangers, if you're going to be a drummer, uh, Rocket Skates, this oh. motherfucker just erupts <laughs> out of the fucking gates. Uh, as I said, this was the promotional single, and I remember just the... Like, they just yeah. would loop that, I think, to the first, like, psh, like hit of the cymbals on it. Yeah. And that was, like, the teaser for the song for at least, like, two weeks and I would probably for the two weeks, at least once a day, would go to their website and just listen to that teaser and just be like, oh, my God. This, oh, my God. Oh, see, that's that's the, that's the noise that I was talking about. It's like, oh, it's so good. You can't you can't verbalize. You turn into like a reptile. And <laughs> like reptilian brain comes right is, in and no, no intelligent <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> this is just one of those that it's like it's. It's so it's disgustingly simple, like the arrangement of this whole song. But the, it's just got an energy that like is undeniable. And like when you see it live, like every time, uh, especially on this record, I saw them on this touring this record cycle twice. And both times they started with this song. I think the last handful of times I've seen them, this is usually the this set opener or the opener to the set. And uh, this is just a motherfucker to like, like this could have been the intro to the album and I would have been totally fine with that as well. Like this to me, like Jesus Christ, this riff, the fucking drums, like the cool, like, I mean, when you see it live, Frank's like, like siren-y thing is like way too fucking loud. But (laughs) I mean, this, this song is just, it's one that like, there are some songs when you hear, it's almost like, like we were driving home the other day and uh, my own summer came on and I was just like, fuck, like this riff still just gets me excited. Like this, so this good. song still gets me excited every fucking time I hear it. It's almost like, 
Like, I'm going to go to the bar as soon as we're done with this. I'm probably going to play this on the jukebox because the bar I go to is like a dive bar that plays really loud, like, jukebox music. And they don't mind, nice. like, metal nice. and shit. So I'm probably going to go to the bar and drop a dollar or something in and just fucking crank this motherfucker on and oh. just air drum the shit out of this and drink PBR lights. But... Oh, see, I get made fun of because I drink PBR. That That is one of my... Well, P- I said PBR light. That's something a lot of people oh, apparently even, don't even know about. I didn't about even it. know that exists. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but I know they also have a strong version. I saw that in the liquor store here. I'm like, hey, they have a strong version of PBR? Nice. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so this is, like, strong album, like, best song on the record to me, like, right on it always has been this is like one i always get amped on and when anyone is like oh it's one of your favorite deftone songs this is probably one of them like the lyrics are just fucking ridiculously sexy over this like aggressive song it's almost like i don't know like chino just finds a way to like take something that should be like where you would expect just the most aggressive shit and instead it's like really soft and like kind of really like it's like I don't I don't even know how to put it sometimes. It's just like it's like it's almost like, are you hitting on me? I mean, I, I, I don't mind if you are. Like you're saying some weird fucked up shit. And I I'm okay with that. Like just whatever. I'll sit here and let you keep talking. That's uh I, I feel that about every song that man sings. <laughs> <laughs> so I hear you. But like, maybe not so much in this song for me. But um th- I love this oh, song no. so much. Uh there's an artist that the, this band works with, uh Jermaine Rogers. Um he did a poster. Right. Yeah. Poster, yeah. He did a poster and basically it uh is Chino with a bunch of knives and razors and shit, and he's like a skeleton version of himself. And then it has a razor blade, and then it says basically Deftones, and then it says fuck with me. And it is, like, when I saw it, I was like, that is, like, the coolest representation of, like, lyrics to an image, like, I think I've ever seen. And then I found on the rabbit hole of that dude's, like, poster art for shows, because he works with a lot of bands. And I was like, never mind, that's what this dude just fucking inherently knows how to do, so. Yeah, he's really good at that, yeah. I checked him out after we talked about him last time. Yeah, I mean, collectively, I think I've, I mean, I'm not like my friends who literally seemingly get a new piece by him, like, every week. But oh, like, I, I, uh, <laughs> I have, like, when we went to Austin, where one of his, like, he's around the Austin area, and this gallery gets, like, all of his work, basically. Uh, I know my wife and I dropped almost $300 just for two posters. <laughs> Oh my god! And one of them was a was a Deftones poster. Um, I'm sad that I got rid of all of my Deftones posters. You can buy back your youth. I have learned that. <laughs> you know, I hope that will happen. Uh, the only <laughs> the only poster that I've kept is a Rammstein one that is rolled up somewhere. Uh, a KMFDM godlike one, which does not exist anymore. So thank God I kept it. And then a Slipknot one, which um, has our name on the bottom. Uh. It was hand painted by some a French dude. And I still, I kept it. And those are the only three posters I have. <laughs> so I'm hoping I need to like, yeah, I need to rebuy my youth. You're right. I think that's what anyway. I've been doing with my vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. So, I just got my Papa good. Roach and uh, Limp Biscuit records. <laughs> nice. So now Kitty yeah. needs to come out with Spit. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you're the label that uh, you guys had doesn't exist anymore. Artemis. I don't think that's. I think it's. Oh long yeah, been no, gone. they're they're long gone as far as I know. Hey, then maybe you own the uh, the rights to that shit now. Maybe the, the recording not. contract. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that. Then I guess. There's that. Then 
Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know who they're with now. Somebody. But maybe. Maybe they could do a re- reprint or something. I don't know. Put it out on cassette again. Cassette! Hey, I still have the cassette somewhere. Ah. That was that was actually a that record as a whole was I bought solely based on the cover. <laughs> I had no idea what it was, and I was like, this like in a sea of just kind of bullshit looking CD covers. I was like, what is this? Like I saw it from afar and I was like, this is this leopard print thing? Dang. And then I was like, are is this the band? Or is this like a like a photo of something? Like I was like, what is this? And I'm like turning it around, I was like, that's like six bucks, I'll buy this. Sure. I mean, why not? And, then, and I love how they like had to accentuate my brownness. Though. Yeah, I feel like looking back on that, was that a was that like a photo like a filter thing or a saturation? Because and they did that with every photo. Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like you appeared either Dark, Mexican, darker than I really am, black, or, or like I never could figure out based on photos what you were because it's like this one uh, you could be black, this one you could be mulatto, this one you could yeah. be Indian. I don't know. And, it, and they would always accentuate it. It drove me nuts. I'm like, okay, I understand. <laughs> I'm one of the very few people of color that are in this in this in this uh scene now not so much um but well, i feel time, like the contrast though even to morgan and everybody else because they made them so pale they made them pale <laughs> and they they don't look like that in real life no like, what did they do that looks so weird like yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah 90s hashtag 90s like well, anyway moving uh, on I don't know if you had anything to say about Rocket Skates. Oh, you pretty much hit it on the head there. All I had was, um, woo in big letters. <laughs> oh man. That's, that's like, you know, it's a good song when Chino does a woo. It's like Ric it's Flair. True. It's so true. And, and I wonder if, if, if that one was, uh, was something that they did live off the floor. That can't be something that he would have just done in the vocal booth. I don't think. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, he's just like, I'm just going to add a woo right here. No, I think they were actually playing it. The energy was there and they were fucking slaying. And then he's just like, woo. Yeah. I mean, how? yeah. yeah. And I would. And I do. (laughs) I do every time I woo along with them. Uh, Sex tape. This one's you. So I remarked about the water. Yep. Um, and I do every time and I'm sure people are really tired of hearing that, but I think it's, hey, what I, can I, I say the Deftones <laughs> like to get people wet. <laughs> Did you see my tweet? No. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'll read it when we get to that song. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I do, like I said, I, I do have mutual friends with him, so I should ask them to ask him. Can you explain why you talk about water so much? California. Like, is it because you're Californian? Like, I don't I know. Love... Isn't that why the Chili Peppers sing so much about California? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. It, you know what? It could be something as simple as that, or it could just be that he... You know, it has... He, he Maybe he's an Aquarius. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Yeah. Anyway, I would love to know. Um... So there's something there's something really familiar about the song. And what I mean by that is just sort of whimsical and 
making you when you're like, you know, driving on a highway, something looking at the like world passing you by kind of deal. Right. Something just kind of nostalgic about the song. And I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, there are a few songs that that happens to me with, and this is one of them where I'm just like, it just makes me feel good. It's just a, it's a nice feeling. And I get that also with the Judith by a perfect circle. I don't know why. It's just like a makes me smile. Something about it makes me smile. And I don't know. This is one of those songs. This is a song that I've really enjoyed learning when I because I'm not much for an effect. Sometimes I go through weird phases where I'm like, oh, I need every effect because I want to be able to create different tones and shit. And then sometimes <laughs> I'm like, fuck that. Like if I can't just plug into an amp and play like with distortion and like no volume, then I don't need it. Um, right. And this is one that got me to start playing around with like delays and stuff like that. And like when I figured out the right speed for the delay and like the echo and the reverb, like all that shit. And I got it to where it's like when you hit that note, it's like, dun, dun, like, and it reverberates the way it's supposed to. I was like, ah, ah, I figured it out. Cause it's not like, you know, when you hear shit like this, it's not like, it's like, Oh, well here's the obvious like setting for that. Like you have to like dial it in and play around for a little bit to get it figured out so it was really cool to figure this out on on guitar at least that part of it and i i've always really enjoyed this song i mean a lot of the 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 slower stuff that they do on this record like this is a great example they just took it in a different direction and did things that they haven't done really like i mean you could sit there and say like okay you got a song like minerva which plays around with some of the you know the the like the trem kind of stuff like picking and delay and reverb and oversaturation and all that kind of stuff or even something like knife party off of the white pony but there's just something that makes this stand out versus everything that they had done that's sort of like this 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 kind of a step on a record and I don't know how much of it is the fact that, you know, the making of this record, they scrapped a record that they still apparently aren't super proud of in Euros and with the stuff that was going on with Chi at the time and, and just kind of allowing them to, to take risks and make the the record and songs that they just wanted to make and were passionate about. And I've always enjoyed this song. I've always enjoyed the way it kind of picks up as it's going. Um, right. It sort of reminds me and this isn't a, a metal or a rock song at all, but it really reminds me of not like what Nas does in one mic where the verses and, and this trick isn't done the same way, but basically like it's, it it's a song that like picks up as it goes like Nas's delivery in the verses to the chorus. It starts off real slow and then it's slowly like he is adding, like he's going faster with his vocals uh, delivery Mm-hmm. as the beat ends up going faster into this like kind of thing and then it slows back down and the thing that in that song that i really enjoy is going into the bridge and out of the bridge into the last verse it reverses so instead of, it goes faster and then goes back to or it goes slower and then goes back to being or it goes faster goes slower then goes faster that's how it goes like that's how it goes so it flips that yeah. that dynamic and this song does really great at playing off of that kind of slow picking up around like the time of the the one last ride thing like where he's like chino's like kind of strumming that like one i mean basically it's only like a two note chord phrasing that he's playing and then he's just kind of adding like little like minor notes underneath uh but it's it's one of those things where this this song's so simple but it 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 does so much so with well yeah yeah and it's swell it like has a lot of swells to it like it just kind of yeah. washes over it reminds me of like a, a wine drunk 
if it as it were. Like yeah. when you get drunk on wine, it just kind of slowly washes over, and you're like, "Oh, I, oh, I feel great." This is great. I'm drinking wine right now. So. Ah. <laughs> so it's it's one of those that I've always this song I've always really enjoyed, and there's a band out of Boston, uh, Bad Rabbits, and they do a cover of this song, and it is phenomenal. Um, there's like a slightly different because it's in a it's a live recording of them jamming in their practice space, but it somehow it's it's a way raw sounding version of this song and so as a result it feels more vulnerable than this song even manages to be and i think this is a pretty vulnerable sounding song on its own so uh for those who have heard me champion bad rabbits in the past uh check out that cover they do there was a cover series it was sex tape uh human nature which is probably my favorite michael jackson song ever and they do a phenomenal full band version of that and they did uh, 1979 by Smashing Pumpkins, which is really good. And I think I prefer it over the original, actually. Really? Wow, that's high praise. I'm not the hugest Smashing Pumpkins fans, though, to be fan, to be fair. But I do really like that song and a lot of the, the things that are happening in it. But I think the little nuances of like chord progressions and such, I think Bad Rabbit's song, because of kind of how in like literally on the floor it is recorded, you're able to kind of pick out a little bit more of the nuances as opposed to like more of the, the overproduction sometimes of, of smashing Pumpkins songs, even in their simple arrangements. Right. But that's a, some extra homework for those who uh, want to find a real like, yeah. Deftones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Cinephile of sort. Audiophiles. Yeah, like, oh, audiophiles. Need to have hear everything ever covered or done, but, Deftones. I mean, there's not a whole lot of Deftones covers, though. I mean, surprisingly. So like, that's that, true. That's why, like, when when I found that cover a long time ago, I was like, wow, this is like, hey, like, it's surprisingly really good. And the dude, the vocalist, uh, he's got such a great voice. And I mean, like, I just mentioned Billy Corgan, Chino Marino, and Michael Jackson. Like, those are not easy artists to cover in any way, stretch of the imagination. And the dude just fucking kills it. So I, I've always had tremendous respect for that band and the band is just phenomenally good uh i don't think anyone could ever sit there and be like oh, this band's okay <laughs> it's almost like the roots if you tell me the roots are just an okay band oh, i'm gonna pretty oh. much like question your credibility as far as like what you consider good musicians um, absolutely yeah yeah but they're they're to me they're kind of on par with that like i think if you like the roots for all that they can do and what they bring to different styles of music like then Bad Rabbits is a band that you should love. Okay. Uh, well, I'll send you a link to, to the cover when we're done with this. Um, that's a so, very eclectic mix. Yes. Um, <laughs> so next up is Risk. I, uh, right. I, I love... Again, we're kind of going back to... Like, this is the song to me, like, when we talk about Command Control, like, that push-pull riff... This song does that, but does it so right. Like everything about like the riff in this works and the lyrics really work with with the riff. And to me, like just the vocal phrasing and so forth, like it works on this song so well, but on command control, like it just didn't to me. And like like I was saying, like how there's an example of this style, like this this songwriting style, but it's done better somewhere else on this record. Here it is like to me and oh my God. I've always 
I've always loved the chorus to this. Uh, just the way that the vocal like kind of floats out toward the end of like the I'll find a way like like there's just there's just so much again there's just so much nuance to this and there's the production on this song especially so many like little like the vault like the vocal swells kind of that are embellishing what Frank's doing behind it like there's just so many little things like that especially when you got a good pair of headphones on you can hear these things and you're just like oh my god god this is like orgasmic how great the like production <laughs> is on like 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 you know it's funny like in you know i was talking with steve evans yesterday who's like a fucking great producer but to be fair it's like i i say these things like you know i i pay attention to like little production tricks and like oh the the mix on this is greater you know so on and so forth and but i mean really like i i have no fucking clue what causes any of these things it's just an observer an observing no, of these things and like these little studio tricks and so forth. And it's like, there's just so much cool shit that's happening like on this song. And it's something, like I said, like I'm not saying Terry do Terry dates a bad producer, but I don't think we would have ever gotten this record with him on the, on the boards. I, I just don't think he, I don't think he, and sadly, I don't think the band were just at a, place where they knew to do all of this shit maybe that maybe it's a thing of technology like with frank having newer technology that makes it easier for him to to do these things to add these layers because from you go from what he had been doing previous and it sounded like it was just more samples whereas this is a lot more keys and synthesizers and and touch pads and and playing around with sound And I don't, I mean, I don't know that he always was into those kind of things or if he got into those things as these records progressed and it just became something he, you know, was adding to the band. But I mean, Frank does so much cool shit on this record and through a nice pair of headphones, you can really kind of just take it all in. And I think I can never pronounce this dude's name, but Nick, uh, rest something or other uh he, he, he came from sound city like he's been producing for so fucking long and has worked with you know great bands and has been around like some of the best recording technology as far as like getting in there and learning like doing stuff like that like records that had feel and little things that kept bringing you back and and this record i i gotta feel like it's it's because of him that like this this record is what it is and has all these little things too like you would give the producer some love on this one. Cause like he does so much cool shit on this record. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So I'm just going to read what I, I tweeted like about an hour ago. Um, <laughs> because like I said, I, before we started talking, I listened to this record three times. And really what I meant by that is I listened to risk three times <laughs> or four times, maybe five times. I'm not sure. So I, I tweeted, so how many babies were conceived to risk by at Deftones? There should be many <laughs> babies conceived to the song, many. And then I put a gif of um, Evan and Rachel Wood, um, like sort of seduct- seductively looking at the camera like, mm-hmm. uh, because it is such a fucking sexy song. Like there's just nothing... And somebody tweeted afterwards, like, oh, I thought that a change in the House of Flies was their sexy song. I'm like, mm, no, it is. But this one, like you said, has so much going on in it all at the perfect level. 
so much uh, groove, so much sensuality. You know, I mouth breathe through the entire song. Like it's, <laughs> it's just so amazing. Um, there's absolutely nothing that's out of place in my opinion. Probably no, it is um, one of my top four favorite songs by them ever. It is really good. Yeah, that's that's pretty much an understatement, though. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is really good, but there are no words. No. Yeah. Um. So I know when we talked about this last time, I ended up finding out that this was the name of a, a horror movie. Uh, Nine Seven Six Evil. Yep. Because we were trying okay. to figure out like what what it was, but it was a. Uh, it was a uh, horror movie from, I think it was the 70s, if I'm not mistaken. And I remember it was like, oh, if you dial this number, like, it was like a direct connect to hell, I believe, is what I remember the synapses being for the movie. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so, fun fact, since we're on this on 967 Evil and we're, we're past sex tape risk and 967 Evil, so I took what is sort of like the equivalent of like shrooms or something. Uh, and it was around the time this record came out. So I was still like, I mean, not that it's not heavy rotation usually, but uh, it was it's super heavy rotation. Actually, I think it was leading up to the show. Uh, so it was within that first like couple of weeks I have in the record. And those three songs, the way, like, like I was saying how they flow into one another, like this album does really good at flowing from one song to the next. Like these three songs to me epitomize, that uh, to a T when you're on shrooms though, the way that there's so much little nuance to the, to the songs, like between the swelling and the, the vocal trickery and all that kind of stuff. Like you want to have a good time and just really be like, wow, this is, (laughs) I I feel really good listening to this. (laughs) Listen to these three songs. I'm not advocating, I guess doing drugs, but uh, I always think about, how great these songs make me feel on some kind of weird subconscious level, I guess when I was tripping on shrooms and just being like this, I love, I love these songs. They feel great. And I just notice so many little things about it that make me feel good when I hear them. And yeah, ah, I just, it's, it's a pleasurable listening experience. Indeed. Uh, nine, six, seven evil though. I, I really love the, Okay. I'm going to say this, even though I fucking I something a pet peeve of mine. I fucking hate the texture of like velour or like satin and shit like that. I, I fucking can't stand it. What? Yeah, I have a weird like, you know, I think everyone has that like one thing like they hear or feel and they, they just drives them nuts, gives them like goosebumps and shit. and They can't deal with it. That that is and- it for me. That being said, when this song cuts in and kind of gives that slow droney like little couple of notes played all I can think of is like a big like crushed velvet like purple velvet like curtains and stuff and it's kind of slowly being opened up to present like something and maybe this is from my like weird <laughs> something I've attached You're, I was just to say was that like part of your mushroom trip no because... I, I don't remember ever thinking that but whenever I hear like when I just like when I drive sometimes like I just think of like like a, something being presented uh, 
and I, I've always had, I've always said that this should have been the last song on the record. This should have been the album closer. Um, cause to me, like the way those three songs go and the way that this song kind of talks about taking a bow and all that kind of stuff, I, I just kind of always have felt that this, this should be the album opener. And in a weird way too, I've always kind of associated this song with almost when sometimes and again maybe i'm kind of putting a lot on this because of myself having lost two friends around after shortly after this record came out and mm. sometimes when i listen to this record i almost feel like it's almost like the grieving stages like there's kind of like denial and that can be something like you know a rocket skate something very quick and aggressive and and all that kind of stuff to then you know like the the denial and so forth. And and this is like one where I kind of feel like it's almost like acceptance, like, okay, like I'm okay with like whatever's going to happen now. Like I've come to grips with everything. Like I've gone through this emotional journey. And, you know, I think part of that is also me as a listener thinking about all of that was going on with Chi at the time. Like you don't know if he was going to make it like he could, he couldn't, you don't know. And I imagine as a band that like, that's weighing heavy on Chino as the vocalist, but there's right. just this kind of weird sense of, coming to grips with everything like in a in as much as maybe not necessarily lyrically but just kind of the finality musically that this song kind of has to me and right. i've always kind of like you know like i said it's it's like all right like kind of like if there was a way to summarize what i'm trying to say in like a, a, a saying it would be like what will be will be that's mm -hmm. kind of like what i think of this song and it, it's always been one where i i I always get kind of sad when I hear it because it's like, oh, like this is the end of the record. And yeah. it, it's a very reflective song as a whole to me. And this has always been one of my like absolute favorites on this record as well. But it's unlike, you know, a Diamond Eyes or a Rocket Skates, like it's completely for a different reason, a different vibe than those songs have. And I, I don't feel like people like this song, actually. Like when I talk to people about this, they're like, oh, yeah, I can kind of leave that one. Really? Yeah. Huh. I, I yeah, I I I hundred percent agree with you on that one. Um and first of all, just production wise or just like songwriting wise, the chorus on this I think is probably one of the biggest sounding. Yeah. It's just so uh without it being offensive, just sonically is probably one of the best that i've heard ever it's just there's something about it when you hear it again on headphones as opposed to you know through speakers or whatnot um is is so it uh yeah again i'm without words it's difficult to to put into words how much i love some of these songs this is definitely one of my top uh top three um on this record so that's what we have in common, I suppose. But yeah. uh, really, that was that was one of my one of my uh, comments on it was just how epic it sounds. It's just so great, and, and the dynamics are just per it's just so perfectly done. Um, I, I know I just keep saying that depth, but um, again, it's very difficult for me to verbalize how much I love this band. <laughs> it's really hard. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, but again, it, it, it's it's interesting that you mentioned how there, you know, the song has that finality to it for whatever Chino and the band was going through, but it also has 
um, a lot of meaning for you as well. Um, and aside from the whole drug trip thing, <laughs> which I think, or the curtains thing, which I think is, I don't know. I just, you talking about that just made me think of blue velvet for some reason. And like, the you know, movie or the movie, the okay. movie, just like, uh, Isabella Rosalini just sitting there, like standing there singing this song. <laughs> like somebody, <laughs> somebody should have done that. Uh, and I don't know. Anyway. So I think it's, it's, it's so interesting how it has that, Every time you hear that song now, it has an instant emotional connection for you. And isn't music great that way that it has every time you hear it, that that'll instantly bring you back to that time in your life. Um, and yeah, the Deftones do that to me all the time. <laughs> but yeah. The, the interesting thing is, is you almost would have figured with this, the song title coming up, which is this place is death. I feel like the song titles should have maybe like, flip-flopped because uh, i feel like that's a more fitting song title for the the feeling that the other song gives me but um this one's you actually oh you know what i just wrote the name and i didn't write a note for it all right <laughs> i think it's because you called right when you're writing your notes uh i can give you unless you can remember i can kind of give you my yeah go ahead all right um very much like how I said on on Saturday Night Wrist. Actually, I think I said it on self-titled as well. Um, this isn't a bad song. I, I just don't think this is the this isn't a good album closer. It's it's no. just, it's out of place. Like like I said, there's such a finality, and the, and the way that Sex Tape, Risk, and Nine Six Seven Evil flow into one another. To me, the way Nine Six Seven Evil is and, and very much ends like the song itself ends that's it that's that's the record and mm -hmm. i don't know if and sometimes when playing this album on shuffle like when when this song comes in like it's all right like i feel like i feel like it's one of those where maybe it was it, you need to have 11 songs or it needs to be this length or whatever and it's nothing against this song like i mean if i had to pick between this and command control i would rather not have command control between the two really? but the thing that i i just feel like this song kind of just drifts too long at times like it's like uh, probably could do like probably chop 30 okay. seconds 30 seconds off of this um i don't know this 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 is just a, a really weird out of place song and i think it just it's even more so it's <laughs> The only thing that just popped in my head is like it's like someone with like six fingers. You're like, what's that one for? Like it's not it's not needed. Like you can cut it off and your hand would be fine. Like you don't need six fingers. And so like I don't know. That's the only it's the only analogy I can come up with uh, for this is like I'm just like yeah, it's like the six finger of this this album. It's like hey, if you if you chop it off, like your hand's still fine. You got all your fingers. Uh, but I mean, if you leave it there, it's like well, what is this? weird <laughs> I mean, you could also chop off you really could survive with only three <laughs> so long as you had an opposable thumb i suppose yeah, I guess. but uh but definitely um i got the same feeling um now that now that you talk about it i remembering the lyrics to it and like just the song itself yeah. um it, it, again i treat it the same as i treat prince it's just one of those not the artist the song um <laughs> uh the artist formerly known as Prince and Prince. So 
it, it's just one of those things that I don't really pay attention to, but I don't skip it. Uh, it's just there. It exists. It's part of the narrative of this entire record, but it's not something that I'm like, Oh my God, I need to air drum to this song. Like right now, it is not one of those. (laughs) It's not strong as an, as a, as a closer, you write. Um, and I think there is an argument to be made that yes, it could have ended at nine, seven, six evil for sure, but it has its place in the narrative. I think. Of this, of this story that is Diamond Eyes and whatever it means to the band, it, it fits in there somewhere, but maybe not at the end. Right. No, I would say maybe, definitely not at the end. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes yeah. when it gets played in the middle, it it's all right. It's it's like a, a middle, it serves as like almost like a palate cleanser between, you know, some of the other stuff. So where it's like, all right, like when it gets played after like Rocket Skates or something like that, it's like, all right. That works. Time to take a break, you yeah. know. Yeah. If you're playing the record at a at a club. Yeah, this is where everyone whole. goes and gets beers and goes to the bathroom. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say Prince for me, anyways. Prince and this song would be the ones that I would sit down for. Okay. <laughs> I sit down and like enjoy my drink or something. But then the other songs. I would stand up for and be excited. Stand up for and be excited. I would necessarily air drum at a club, but or bar or whatever. But, uh, live yeah. a little, live a little, you know, dance around whatever risk would make me do. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, there are bonus tracks. They're basically all covers, um, which is something the Deftones are synonymous for, for every record. They usually do at least a cover. Um, I'm not really going to talk about them just cause they, most people don't even know they exist, uh, and assume okay. that they're basically from the, uh, covers record that ended up coming out after this record. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of these were, I think on, not like they couldn't have been on the B sides and rarities cause that was before this record. So yeah, the covers record that came out for record store day that they said they would never would release. And now it's on iTunes and a few other places and makes me mad cause I mean, I have it on vinyl, and that was one of the only reasons I, like... I mean, I would have bought it regardless, but when you tell me, like, it's going to be the only version that, like, is the only way to hear these songs, and then it's like, no, we put it out everywhere else. It's like, motherfuckers. Um, So, um, but yeah, there's interesting covers, interesting bands that they covered, like always. Excuse me. And uh, so, yeah, so the fun part of picking a favorite. I mean, there's really not really I mean unless you're like oh it's commander control this place is death I would be like there's really no way you can pick up a, a not good song like oh, if no, you sure. like if you were like oh I mean it's you've seen the butcher I'd be like yeah absolutely that's a great song like I, it probably is one of the best ones on the record or you could be like it's diamondized I'm like fuck yeah it is uh, you know, like <laughs> there's there's really no wrong answer unless it's command controller this place is death <laughs> well I can tell you that it's it's definitely it's definitely not those songs right i think for you it's probably going to be risk would probably oh hell yeah <laughs> hell yeah baby hell yeah um, it is it to to me like i said it is everything that i love about the deaf in a song so well i guess that'll be the song we end the episode out on yay everybody go out and make babies to that song <laughs> 
I mean, unless you can't financially pay for that, baby, then please don't. <laughs> I know you have free health care in Canada, but <laughs> uh, we, yeah, we, sure. we do not. No, you don't. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so we can look forward to going through the album. Literally, the, the thread of the emails I've been sending to Fallon are saying the album that I can never pronounce correctly. <laughs> <laughs> And I still, I don't know why I can never get it right. It's, it's Yoi Koyo no, Koi no Yokan. Yeah. 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 It's Japanese or something? Uh, yeah, but I think I've read that it doesn't even translate to anything. Oh, wonderful. So, so you just take yeah, a whole just, bunch of Japanese words and. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, um, even more, some... even more fuck you listeners. Like, oh, you thought it meant something? No. No. Good job, Deftones. <laughs> Um, but really this record, there are some really great strand standout tracks on that. Stand out, yeah. Stand, <laughs> stand out tracks that I am so, so excited to talk about. So yeah. On the next record. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm gonna have to really go back and listen to it. Uh, to, to be completely honest, like I, I listened to it when I got that record cause I, was this uber nerd and pre-ordered it the day it came out to get one of those like super limited like hand or not hand number but numbered all that shit and uh i got a really low number and uh really excited and i listened to it quite a bit and then i think there was just other shit that came out slightly after i kind of had seen that record them on that record cycle and was like "Eh, i'm good and now i will say gore is going to be an interesting one because I got that on vinyl. I listened to it when I got it because I waited until I literally received the record to listen to the album as a whole. So I didn't listen to any of the, the singles when they put out songs, the one or two that they did. Uh, all the negative feedback I was reading, I was like, I hope it's not this bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I listened to it a bunch when we were in Portland uh, with our friends who are super Deftones fans as well. And it kind of grew on me, but I, I feel like that I'm going to really have to sit down with this one because I, I think it's going to be one where I go, I see what they're doing, but it it's just a very eh record to me. And that's that's just like how I feel about it now, having not really sat down with it, like between my ears and really just kind of like, you know, being at work for eight hours and just playing the record over and over and over again and getting to, to really know it. Um, so maybe that my opinion will change on these these next two records. Um because as of now, I would say, like, they're kind of in the middle of the, the whole discography for me at this point. Right. Uh, maybe, you know, it's the peaks and valleys of Deftones. We've talked about this. Yeah. See, to me, like, <laughs> you know? I, there wasn't really a, a, a valley for me at this point. We had already surpassed the valley. <laughs> so well, there have been some valleys. Yeah. <laughs> for me, there's been for valleys. You. For you. And then there was that peak. And so now, like, I, I think... Koino Yokan is actually quite good um, in its own right. I haven't yeah. listened to Gore as much as I should have, I think. Uh, and I have listened to it maybe two, three times before, um, just because I thought that on the show that I saw them on in the summer, I thought they would be playing more from the new record, which they, they did really, not at all. Yeah, they really know. don't. So they played what, like Swerve City off of yep. Koino Yokan. And they, I think they it. played. Uh, I think or, they played. Oh no! Uh, they think they played Leathers and, and Temptus. Yes. I thought. Yes, yes, yeah. they played Leathers for sure. And I'm like, I don't know what any of these songs are, but I love the ones that they did play. Yep. Um, but anyway, so I, I listened to it 
enough times that I could recognize it at the at the show. Ah, okay. Well, this will be. I think this will be fun for us because we've we've gone through these next two will be interesting because we've gone through our favorites you know where we were as fans and so forth and now we're kind of coming to records that neither of us have like listened to death so it'll be interesting to kind of approach these more or less with new ears kind of indeed yeah yeah i agree it'll be good well until next time thank you for your time and enjoy the rest of your your wine <laughs> it's already done oh <laughs> i don't i only have I, I don't drink a lot of it at a time ah. um just because i'm starting to get sick so maybe i shouldn't be drinking at all but anyway yeah, that's no fun <laughs> yeah. anyways you you enjoy your evening as well and your your peanut butter pb pbj whatever <laughs> we don't know uh and enjoy your evening at the oh play my own summer okay. and then play what else how many songs do you get for a dollar oh not many like one, it's an internet jukebox. But usually, uh, if you use your phone, here's a, a pro tip: use your phone. You usually can skip anyone who's going in and feeding money, and you also get to earn extra credits uh, for free um, for doing that. And sometimes, oddly enough, the phone will have way more of a selection than the actual jukebox will. Like there have been times I'll go and be like, like for instance, if I were to go to the jukebox and be like, "Kitty," and it, like if I was okay. at the machine, it would say nothing. But then if I go on my phone, it might have a kitty song. So it's like, okay, that's weird. So sometimes you're using your phone is a lot better. Plus it makes people get pissed when they're like, I put $20 in this motherfucker. And you're like, yeah, I uh, used my phone and didn't get up. And my credits go a little bit further. Like you get more, I think more credits for your money on your phone, I think. And like, you know, if I spend $10, like usually I'll get at least like an extra couple of credits through playing those like because you get like tiers like oh if you play 20 songs you get an extra credit or two and you play 30 songs or 40 songs you get like five credits and shit like that like so it's a that's a pro tip if you go and spend money on jukeboxes like just fucking download the two (coughs) touch tunes and ami uh and touch tunes and ami okay and enjoy that um so yeah definitely uh do my own summer for me okay (laughs) and then uh I will probably just do it on Twitter. And uh, so anyone following Fallon or myself on Twitter, uh, she's at Fallon Bowman. I'm just at Johnson Title Pod. Uh, I will be sharing the Bad Rabbits, and I'll tag them too. So if you like them, you can follow them on that. But uh, I'll share the Bad Rabbits cover of Sex Tape. It is really good. Awesome. Awesome. Enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. So that was my chat with Fallon Bowman. Interestingly enough, as I was uh, slightly editing some of the stuff uh, out of this episode and for time's sake and all that, uh, I noticed that Fallon actually had gone to the thing I put on Twitter, uh, posting the Bad Rabbits uh, cover of Sex Tape, and wrote that she thought it was perfect with a gif. And uh, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a phenomenal cover. Uh, so do yourself a favor. Go to YouTube. Go check out Bad Rabbits cover of Sex Tape. It's actually like an in in their practice space full on like video with like the probably like a sound mix or a soundboard mix uh, of them playing, or maybe it's just everything's mic'd and it's a live room recording. But regardless, it's, it sounds fucking phenomenal. Uh, easily one of the best songs off of the Diamond Eyes album. And hearing someone do it, like I said, you don't typically hear Deftones covers. And sometimes when you do, you, you just kind of realize, like, 
how good the fucking Deftones actually are all on their own. So it makes you just really appreciate when you hear a good Deftones cover. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, I'm sure I'll probably end up talking about this when I talk to uh, Shield in a few weeks or so, but there is actually a song of Chino doing a song with Bad Rabbits. There's footage online. You can't hear any of the actual vocals or music or anything. It's just like there's a song playing over like a montage of them in the studio. But it's a song that Teddy Riley of Blackstreet and kind of of just a lot of that early 90s, like New Jack Swing kind of style music. But Teddy Riley with Bad Rabbits and Chino Marino all working on a track. Let that fucking sink in for a minute. If that doesn't... If that doesn't get you excited to check out Bad Rabbits, if you're not a fan of theirs already, then I don't know what the fuck you even like musically. Because, I mean, we're talking Deftones. We're talking R&B sort of royalty of the early 90s. And we're talking about a band who are fucking phenomenal and can infuse and, and weave in and out of so many different styles and genres. It's It's... Honestly, and I'm not even saying this just to blow smoke up the potentially the anyone from Bad Rabbits who is listening to this. I would honestly say as a band, as far as like being able to hop in and out of genres and, and influences, one of the few bands I can think of on that I think are on the same level as them or, or that they are that Bad Rabbits are on the same level as as far as just creative musicianship would actually be the roots. I think that's probably like one of the closest comparisons I can actually make to a band that that is actually a band that weaves in and out of a lot of different styles and has just so much to offer listeners of of so many different kinds. Uh, but either way, I'm going to stop sucking Bad Rabbit's dick now. Um, socials, we're just going to kind of get right into it just because this was is a, a long-winded episode as it typically is when I talk with Fallon, especially about a record that we have been teasing about talking about for almost a full year at this point. So... Uh, we finally stopped blue-balling you guys and got right to arguably our favorite Deftones album as a whole. Um, Fallon can be found, simply enough, at Fallon Bowman on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you would like to find her on YouTube, you can find her at Fallon Bowman TV. Also, Moshpit Nation, the partner of this podcast. You can find us at moshpitnation.com. You can find us on Facebook at Moshpit Nation West capital M, capital I. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at Mosh Pit Nation. Simple enough. If you would like to follow me slash the podcast on socials, facebook.com backslash John's Untitled Podcast, Twitter at John's Untitled Pod, Instagram at John's Untitled Podcast. You can email me at John's Untitled Pod at gmail.com. If you would like to go on YouTube and see some of these conversations I've had over the past year or so, you can do such at John's Untitled Podcast. Search it out. Every way that you find this podcast and listen to it is greatly appreciated. Also greatly appreciated, anybody who rates, reviews, and subscribes to the podcast. Uh, Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever the fuck they want to call it now. Um, I see that I've got about five ratings, all five stars which is great. Thank you to anyone who has rated the podcast. Uh, as I said a couple episodes ago, I got a couple of reviews, uh, very good ones as well. So I would like to keep up the positive feedback. Uh, and even if you have feedback that isn't so great, like, hey, shut the fuck up and basically stop doing these intros and outros, or I don't know. 
Um, whatever it is, uh, if you any kind of critique, criticism, feedback, whatever it is, it is greatly appreciated. Uh, I mean, you can only get better if you you can't get better. I should say uh, if you don't get feedback at all and know what you are doing that's good and what you're doing that's bad. So. Without further ado, we end the episodes as we always do with a song. This one is the proverbial best song off of this record. Uh, I I let Fallon pick them, so this isn't necessarily the song that I think is the best. It is one of my favorites off this record, so uh, without further ado, this is Risk by the Deftones off of Diamond Eyes. Let us know on our socials what you thought of this, if this is the best song, or if there's a better one in your, your opinion. Let us know. Without further ado, Risk by the Deftones. Talk to you next week.